You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Today's guest is a very special person. This is Dr. Amber Selkin, one of my good friends. We go back just a little ways. I'm going to do her intro just a little different. She is currently the mental performance coach for Notre Dame football. The game is later today. This is very interesting, isn't it? She is also the director of people performance for Lippert Components. She lives in South Bend. She's married. She's a wife. She's awesome. Also, we have collaborated on a few projects together. Uh, developing the culture of mental performance and toughness and accountability. So I'm very excited to bring to you Dr. Amber Selking. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dr. Pat. It is awesome to be here. I love love being with you every time we get a chance to collaborate on things, exchange ideas, bounce stuff off of each other. Um, just iron sharpens iron, you know, and it gets better every time we get together. So it's good stuff. I'm excited to be with you today. This is really good. This is really cool because I've been looking for this moment for a while, I followed you on your podcast and what you were doing, and I called you, said, okay, I'm ready to do a podcast. Give me some ideas, some names, some direction, and you've been doing some really good things. Yeah, I mean, you've been trying to get me on here for a while now, so I'm glad I finally got you pinned down. We got to come down here to Louisville, and so excited to be able to exchange some ideas and, and uh, hopefully share some good stuff with your listeners today. Absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what led you to where you are, where you are today? Yeah, you know, I just have this deep belief that uh, people want to be great. They they really want to become the best versions of themselves and, and be great leaders and be great influencers. But the reality of it is a lot of the systems in our society aren't really set up for that, right? And a lot of our own personal mindsets are what inhibit our ability to really show up as the best version of themselves. And so, you know, I, I recently released two eBooks um, that were actually books I had written when I was in fifth and sixth grade. And they're about this little bee named Zip who had this dream, right, to to be Queen Bee one day. She's a little bee in this beehive and she just had this desire to be Queen Bee, but she had a she had a bent antenna. Right. So there was there was a physical um, disability with her. And so she thought, man, I'm not perfect. So I'm never going to be able to accomplish my dream. And so she goes on this journey where she meets all these these wild animals that give her advice on, you know, how how to pursue her dream, despite that setback that she that she has. And so I was home over uh, winter break during one of my grad school years. And I found these in my bedroom and it just struck me like, man, 
dude, I'm doing what I was thinking about when I was in fifth and sixth grade. And so I pulled those books out and I added some science, like added some pages that show the actual positive psychology or sports psychology um, or, you know, cultural, what we know about building great cultures into that book. And so I re-released it as a, as a book, same, same sort of um, raw storyline and pictures of when I was little. But, you know, what got me here is just that deep belief, again, that, that people want to become something great and they, and you know, for whatever reason, whether that's a disability or a handicap or your family structure or where you grew up, you know, a lot of times we can use those things as reasons why we can't do and pursue the dream that's on our heart. But, you know, what I've, the journey that we've been on, you know, in terms of sport and performance psychology and human performance, um, there's a reality that we can achieve that. And so my heart is to really just help people more understand about how their brain works, how it affects their emotions and, and their bodies, which therefore drives their performance. And so, you know, I have the opportunity to do that in some pretty incredible spaces right now with Notre Dame football, with Lipper Components. Uh, it's a global manufacturing company where we're doing this in the business space. So, you know, my thing is from the locker room to the boardroom. And so from the sports space to the business space. Um, but it's all about going back to why do I, why do I do it? I do. It's because I believe in human potential and human greatness. And I want, I want to help others understand how do they understand that and how do they unleash that towards uh, performance excellence in whatever domain they choose to apply themselves. Wow. That's really good. I'm going back to when you were in the process of completing your dissertation for your PhD, your, if I'm not mistaken you it was the lights something about the lights being an athlete and then the lights go out in the stadium you were a division one soccer player and eventually one day those lights went out tell us about that experience and why you decided you would shape your dissertation around that yeah. So, you know, Pat was on my dissertation committee, which was just incredible to have your thought, your wisdom and insights and guidance through that process. So thanks again for being there for me through that. Um, but the title was when the lights go out, um, you know, how do you, how do they turn back on? And it was a look at the transition of guys that uh, retired from the NFL into life thereafter. And I chose that topic because that's really what set me on a trajectory really to get back in, or to get into sports psychology to begin with. So I was a soccer player. Um, I, I, I had committed to the Naval Academy, but tore my first ACL a month before I was supposed to leave for plebe summer. And so therefore wound up at Notre Dame as a recruited walk-on. And so I uh, went in and redshirted my fall season, played my spring season and knew I had a lot of ground to cover. But I was like that athlete that every day after practice, you know, I'm talking to the seniors like, how am I doing? What, what do I need to do better? Like, blah, 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 blah. and they're like, they're like, you're coming along great a lat like keep it up we're super proud of you it's going to be awesome we go into our end of the year meetings and uh, my coach goes so how would you feel if you weren't on the team next year and I just remember like I mean I went blank and I go I mean I don't know coach everything I've done since I've been seven was because I wanted to play division one college soccer like you tell me how I'm gonna feel if that gets taken away and he goes why don't you come back in two hours and I'll let you know what we decided. Wow. And so I left and I was, you know, it was finals week too, you know, and so I'm, I'm trying to study, but I couldn't. So I opened up my email and at the time I was getting daily emails from FCA and the, the email opened up and they always start with a verse and it started out for, I know the plans that I have for your life says the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. 
And Jeremiah 29, 11 is an awesome verse. That's what, that's what it is. But it was even more meaningful to me because for the last nine months, I had been signing my name, ALAT, Jeremiah 29, 11, because as athletes, our numbers are sentimental to us, obviously. Right. And 11 was my number in high school and 29 was my number in college because yeah. two plus nine equals 11. So I thought like, you know, it's a great verse if anybody actually ever looks it up, but what I realized in that moment is that I had been writing that verse for nine months to give me something to hold on to when the very crux of my identity sort of got stripped away from me. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I sort of knew I'm about to get released. Yeah. And so I went back in and I bit my mouth apart because I refused to let them see me cry again, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just remember leaving, leaving the building and standing on the sidewalk. And I started to go back to my dorm, but I was like, no, wait, like, I can't go back there because if I'm not Amber, the soccer player, who am I, you know? And then I turned around to go like to the weight room. But then I was like, well, wait a second. I'm not an athlete. I don't even know if I'm allowed in there anymore. Right. So I just stood on that corner for what seemed like forever. And for the first time in my life, I felt hollow from the neck to the base of my stomach. And, and, you know, I just never wanted anybody to feel that way. And, and, and cause here's the thing, right? Like I have a family at home that loves me. I'm at the university of Notre Dame and I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be okay. And I still felt like that. Like, then I got to thinking, well, what about the people who don't have any of that? You know, like, like, what about them? And, and how do we, how do we do sport better so that when people sport ends, because it ends tomorrow after injury or four years after college or 40 years after a pro career, like eventually that comes to an end and you're left with, who am I? Who's the man or woman under the Jersey? And so, you know, after that experience, um, I decided to stay at Notre Dame and finish out my college career. And, um, and I led Notre Dame Christian athletes thinking that that was my way to, ease my ego out of sport and do that, you know, and I went and worked in corporate America and, um, and then realized my heart was still in athletics. And that's when I found sports psychology. So all of those experience really culminated, um, to help to, to choose that topic for my dissertation, because I believe that we can do sport better. And if we do sport better then that means that we can do the transition better. And, And that really matters to me. And then, um, you know, again, just what, everything that we do now is I, I know that mental performance and, and sports psych training is helping people on the field deliver their best on a more consistent basis. But I also know that when their sport ends, all of these skills that they're learning that we're teaching them are applicable to who they're going to be as a husband or a wife or a, a father, or what, uh, you know, mom or a community leader. And so that's what gets me pretty jacked up about what we do and why we get to do it. Very, very good. Very good. So we have to, we should probably get this early in the show than later. We have to talk about our Yoda, Dr. Rick McGuire. The man, the myth, and the legend. The man, the myth, and the reason legend. why we're both here. Yeah, I will leave it open. I'll just say his name and then you can go from there. You know, what's fascinating is um, in my first semester of my graduate program at Denver, we read a book on theories of performance excellence, and it's sort of a combination of some of the leaders in the field of sports psychology, their theories. And I was going back through my portfolio that I have everything written, and I found the paper um, that I had written on Dr. McGuire's section, and, and I wrote about how, wow, this man gets it. You know, this is exactly what I believe. This is this makes sense to me. And and I remember sending Dr. McGuire a message and, you know, he talks about uh, winning kids with sport. Right. We don't win sport with kids. We win kids with sport. And as soon as I heard that, I thought of in the Bible where it says, like, I'm going to make you fishers of men. 
you know? And so I just remember sending him an email and like, listen, we both know Doc, Doc McGuire. He doesn't respond to emails. Okay. So like the fact that I got a response, this is a big deal. So I sent him an email and I said, Dr. McGuire, like I just read your book. I'm just wondering if when you say X, does it come from, and I quoted scripture. I was like, and when you say Y, does it come from here? And he responds, you seemingly understand me. That was it. <laughs> but the fact that he, and so, you know, that was my first introduction to Dr. McGuire. And, um, and so the fact that I had the opportunity to, to come to Missouri where he was building something incredibly special that both you and I got to be a part of is magnificent. And I think that what he's instilled in both of us in terms of a comprehensive integrated approach to high performance in an athletic setting, in a business setting, wherever, whatever contact in a family setting, like, like we got to think comprehensive and integrative. So everything in the system is touching, is aligned, is in synchronicity with one another. Right. And then, uh, and to and through the coach, right. I mean, there's only one of me, there's only one of you, but, but kids intersect sport with their coach. And so as much as we can help coaches or leaders understand how, how the mind works, how communication works, how leadership works. Well, now all of a sudden the, the opportunity for influence starts to increase. And I mean, I just, I love that because there's such a humility in, in that approach, right? Because it's not like you and I are coming to save the day. Yeah. It's that we've got an incredibly group of talented individuals around us that with some simple understandings about how humans are wired, we have the chance for great influence on a much larger, larger population. Yeah. I know some people may have some, may have trouble understanding when you say it should go to and through the coach, like real sports psychology, thinking right in sport, how important and influential the coaches are. And if it's going to and through the coach, one, the coach, no one has more influence over the athletes than their coaches do. And if you can empower them, educate them, and give them some guidance and uh, some the skills to deal with some of the issues and challenges, not not just the issues and challenges, but how to have great performance on the opposite end of that spectrum. If you can do those things, it's going to be done all the time because they're spending the most time with their coaches and, and maybe their performance coaches. Exactly. I mean, that's when when a kid goes in, let's use football for an example, because we're both and we get that space, right? You go into the building and and now all of a sudden everything you touch, your experience in the weight room, your experience in the position room, your experience during warm up, your experience when things break down on the field, when things are going well on the field, when all of those things are aligned and people are really have the same messaging approach to how we're doing it, that, that becomes really powerful in terms of cultural transformation. Yeah. So when you as the director of mental performance uh, for Notre Dame football, how does that look uh, on a day-to-day basis when you're interacting with the coaches and the players? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a consultant for the, for the team. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I think um, at Lipper Components, our model for leadership development, we have a, a team of actual leadership development coaches in our organization. And the framework um, that, that we've set up for them is that they serve as a trainer, a coach, and a trusted advisor to our business leaders, right? So they do leadership training and then they're, they're in-game coaching on leadership development, right? And then they become a trusted advisor to these leaders 
peers on picking up the phone and, and saying, hey, so I'm about to make this change in my personnel, right? Like, here's how I'm thinking about doing it. Am I on the right path, right? And so I really think that, you know, going into third season with Notre Dame football, and I think it really mirrors that trainer, coach, trusted advisor. So we have a foundational mental performance training program that every individual that comes into our organization has the opportunity to go through, um, which is really the eight building blocks that that we believe goes into a, a sound mental game. And so off of that, uh, you can coach off of that, right? The, the coaches have all been through it. They can coach their players through these eight building blocks, um, whether it's intensity management or confidence or uh, motivation, awareness, you know, and so coaches can coach off of that. I can coach off of that. And then you just become a trusted advisor, you know, to to the coaches and to the players as they're navigating, you know, their, their transition into college, right? Or navigating that redshirt year or, okay, this is my first time starting. Like, how am I thinking about this? How am I processing this? And so um, it just becomes very integrated and it's, it's really a seamless experience right now for the guys and, and for myself. So again, we do those in classroom trainings, if you will, when, when people, when guys come in and then, you know, standing on the sideline uh, throughout the course of a practice, it's, it's being there with them as they're trying to, you know, man, I keep losing that guy deep over my shoulder and they're frustrated because they've messed it up for three times. Well, you know, being able to, to be in that moment and just coach them, Hey, reset, refocus, right. Find mm-hmm. your visual cues, get back in your optimal zone. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and then when you hear the coaches saying those same things, th- that's when it's pretty awesome. Right. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. For someone listening to this show and they may be interested in doing what you do, what advice do you give them? What can you give them? I um I remember sitting in grad school and whenever we would have these elite mental performance sports psychology people come in several of them would always start with so who in here wants to work with pro athletes you know and we're all hungry grad students and everybody raises their hand and their response is okay well none of you will because this isn't really a thing you know and we're you're going to have to grind it out and work towards it and while I believe you have to grind it out trust me I think I was sending Notre Dame football articles on mental performance for five years before I got an opportunity this is like while I was still in grad school probably once a month at least Mm -hmm. at least twice a quarter for five years I mean it's not like I just woke up one day and and got this gig right Mm -hmm. it takes persistence it takes patience it takes perseverance um but I remember I was having coffee with Mike Gervais, Dr. Michael Gervais out in Southern California. He's the sports psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks and works with Red Bull High Performance. I mean, he, he's an incredible influencer in our field. And I remember asking him that question of like, you know, how do you really discern what group that you want to work with or if you're ready to work with a group? And I, he responded, he said, you know, you need to be as competent in your craft as the individuals with whom you're working with are in their craft. And he said, now, 
if you're working with youth athletes, that doesn't mean you you have to have like a youth level of, of understanding of your work, right? You got to follow your heart and where you're called for that population. But in terms of, okay, high school, college, pro, that conversation, how do you know if and when you're ready? It, you know, it, when you're as competent in your craft as those guys are in their craft, like I've never played football, you know, and I've never played college football. And so, um, but I, but I do feel, or pro football, but I do feel that in terms of my craft, right. And that level of respect that comes into play with the individuals that you're working with, they don't expect me to have played pro football, but they do expect me to have a pro level understanding of how to help get them right to perform in their optimal level. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would just say that get really good at your craft. Um, I'm a big believer that we need to be grounded in some good science and good research in terms of our approach to things. And so, um, you know, I would encourage you to go to grad school, get a grad program, but, but more even on top of that, be around great professionals doing the work and get practical experience. Um, that was one of the things that the university of Denver, their graduate program, I thought was incredible in the practical experience that, that it offered. And you had to work with local teams in the area. And then at Mizzou, same thing, you know, we were all paired up with, sports, doing this work, getting supervised, um, understanding sort of the ethical delineations between applied performance sports psychology and clinical sports psychology, and being really in tune and aware with what are the lines, what are the boundaries, and as a professional, understanding when you need to refer out and and really have licensed psychologists that can help navigate some of the challenges that our student-athletes are facing. Very good. We're trying to help high school coaches, high school teachers, their college coaches that listen to the show, athletes that listen to the show. And you just brought something up. If you can touch on the difference between sports performance and clinical psychology, maybe some of those differences uh, when a coach says, well, I've got an athlete and they've got some issues going on they're uh, they're dropping a lot of balls and, and, but they may have some other things going on. What is, how do you help maybe teachers, coaches to know which resources they should seek? Yeah, that's a great question. The reality of it is a lot of it's connected, right? All of this is inter- intertwined and interplays with one another. And so, you know, I, there's a whole, there's a lot of protocols that need and should be in place for identifying like depression or anxiety or eating disorders or, or even, you know, suicide potential, right? And so just making sure that everybody in your organization is aware of what those signs are, but a lot of times it's not that overt, right? And so, you know, the, the difference to start between the, the fields are that, you know, I like to use the analogy between um, mental performance coaches are more like strength coaches, right? It's how do you build the mind and build the brain and build your habits that lead to high performance, right? Whereas, you know, clinical counseling, sports psychology is more like the athletic training room, right? You go there when something's broken and, um, and, and really from that mental and emotional standpoint that needs some direct care um, in terms of really rebuilding. But, you know, man, I, I'm having trouble focusing on the play. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a clinical or counseling issue. And so you talk about and train attention, focus, um, 
how to be present in the moment. And so, and, and whereas as you talk to that individual, you might notice just some, you know, lowered, lowered energy level, like they're not eating, not sleeping. And those are, those are some easy signals that, Hey, you know, maybe we want to bring somebody else in to just, you know, do it, do an analysis to see where you're at um, from a mental health standpoint as well. And so, you know, knowing who and who to refer to, who to refer those, those student athletes to is really important as well. Right. Talk about the this pyramid that you had a chance to collaborate with a few people on. Um, how do you use that pyramid? Describe it, and then how do you use it, and how do you think it can benefit others? Yeah, so the McGuire Ivy sulking model of mental toughness. Um, Pat and Dr. McGuire, Dr. Dr. Ivy and Dr. McGuire and I worked together on it when we were back in Missouri. And really, our intent is how do we take a construct like mental toughness? Right, it's a sexy word. There's not a real clear definition on it anywhere in the literature, and yet coaches love it. And we we say that we believe that sports psychology can and should be done to and through the coach. So that means you got to meet coaches where they're at. You got to use language that matters and resonates to them, and that's really why we decided to put together this model of mental toughness because it spells out mental toughness in a way that we know is scientifically grounded as well and can lead to high performance because the reality of it is we're after high performance and the mental toughness that can deliver high performance and so this model really works through different tiers where the base is motivation the next tier is preparation the next is the skill of focus then emotional stability and then it really ties in this element of accountability to drive performance And each one of those tiers is broken into different building blocks that can help us understand motivation, preparation, focus, and emotional stability in in a more holistic way. And so how I use that is um, really it's it's a template for building a high performance culture. In, in your team or in your organization and making sure that every one of those blocks is addressed in some way in, in your team or your organization in terms of how you go about building it. It also becomes a really great template to use when things break down to understand where were we off, right? Because like it, coach, coach Lou Holtz always used to say, like, you criticize the performance, not the performer, Right. Well, that's hard if you don't have a really good model that you're working off of that you believe leads to high performance. And so this model is really helpful, too. And again, being a diagnostic tool for, okay, Pat, like I recognize that you've been inconsistent over the last you know, couple of weeks. Like instead of saying, Pat, you're terrible. What the heck are you doing? You're so inconsistent. Get your ish together. Right. Right. Like I can say I can really use that and be like, man, your motivation really looks off. Or I'm noticing that your physical preparation is starting to decline a little bit. And that's driving inconsistent performance and how you show up every day. Like I know we're in season. I know you're in class right now. But what do we need to do to help keep you at your top of your game from a physical preparation standpoint? Then all of a sudden as an athlete, as a competitor, that's a lot easier to handle than your coach just being down your throat. Like, man, I wish I knew what was going on too. You know, athletes don't show up not wanting to be great every day. And so, you know, that is just a more productive conversation and and has given our coaches a lot of just collaborative approach to helping guys really flesh out who they are and how they can be at their best. That's excellent. That's excellent. And I know um, as you move forward, you have your own podcast, um, the Selking Performance Group. You are doing consulting How do you balance all of these things with your full-time job and then your most important job? 
Yeah, so. my most important job, being a wife to my amazing husband. Um, you know, honestly, it wouldn't be possible without his support. So I think that that just just to say, too, I mean, if you're on a journey of greatness, you can't do it alone. And um, and so you got to have the right people around you, right people around you at home, right people around you professionally um, that can encourage you, can support you. And so, you know, my world right now is kind of crazy. So full time during the day at Lipper Components and then go to football every evening for practice and, and traveling with the teams on the weekends. Um, and so having Aaron at home, um, to just be a rock and encourage or somebody that I can bounce stuff off of is, is huge. And then having friends and colleagues like you and Dr. McGuire that just continue to fuel that fire, right. And set the tone for all of this. Um, but yeah, I, I think that when you know why you're doing what you're doing and who you are in that process, I mean, it's exhilarating. And, you know, Aaron and I talk a lot about that life's a series of seasons and this too shall pass. You know, we're in a great season right now, uh, but you never know how long it's going to last. So mm-hmm. we're really just leaning into it, really enjoying the the work, the the uh, people that we get to be around, the experiences we get to have and the opportunity for influence that, that we're able to have during this season of our lives um, and hoping that that can continue to grow so we can touch and impact more people. Right. What's what's next for you? I know you're you're focused on what you're doing now. You're in the present. What's next? What's five, 10 years out? You know, I don't I don't know what that is specifically, but I do know that, um, you know, I have a vision to build things that serve as a model to others on on how something can and should look if it's done well. And so I always use uh, I've recently been really reconnected with uh, this vision I have of Mount Zion. So Mount Zion um, biblically was the highest point in Jerusalem. And so the thing was like wherever you were at in Jerusalem, if you looked up, you'd see Mount Zion. And that was supposed to be a semblance and a reminder that like. God is present and it's good and goodness and greatness is here and going to happen. And so like Aaron and I's vision for our marriage is to be like Mount Zion. You know, that when people see us, they're like, man, marriage can be good. Like, I don't know what all these people are talking about. They look, they make marriage look awesome. Not easy y'all, but awesome. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and so, you know, that's what I love about the opportunity to be at Lipper Components. You know, we're building something really special there as a, as a model of work, you know, that you can take care of people and make a profit right? Like mm-hmm. those aren't separate. Those are, those are together. And to have an organization that believes that and is courageous enough to build a, a rejuvenated and refreshed model of work for a publicly traded global manufacturing company. I mean, that's relatively unheard of. And, and I love being a part of that, you know, for Notre Dame football, I mean, for, for college athletics in general, right? Like really understanding that we can holistically develop student athletes physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and that drives performance on the field and in their lives after, like these are the types of things that, that I want to be a part of and that I want to help build because I want it to be a force for good in the world. And, uh, and, and be, I love a quote too. It's like, be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to build things that are so good that people can't ignore that this is a good thing. And this is a good way to do it because it manifests uh, goodness and greatness in the present, but also in the, in the systemic impact that it has the ability. So specifically, what does that look like? I'm not sure, but, but, but broad vision that that's what I'm after to continue pouring my life into creating. That's, that is fantastic. That's inspirational, aspirational, all those good things. Really good. Um, maybe one more question Okay. for the skeptics of positive coaching and people. Um, so I know we, we, we know the, the quote being demanding without being demeaning. For people that believe you need to dog cuss athletes, 
or you need to berate people to get the most out of them, or you need to uh, challenge their um, the essence of who they are, challenge their character um, so that you get the most out of them. People that believe that's the best way to approach and get the most out of people, whether it's in at work or, or uh, on the practice field. What do you say to those uh, those people? Get on or get off because this bus is moving forward. And honestly, like society, we're not going backwards. So you can be stuck in the mud and stubborn all you want, but you will be left behind because kids today are not having that and they're not about it. And you're going to get on social media pretty quick and have everything torn down. So if you want to be raw, that's my raw answer. Like we're not going backward. And so you better figure out how to figure out positive coaching sooner than later. Um, Now, my scientific side, listen, the brain in a positive state thinks more clearly, thinks more creatively, and it problem solves better. What we know is that our thoughts affect our emotions, which affect our physiological response, which that drives our performance. A lot of times our athletes' thoughts come from us as coaches. And so if you're giving them thoughts of fear, insecurity, unworthiness, emotionally, that's going to affect them. They're going to start feeling bad about themselves, start feeling bad about questioning why they're even there, if they should be there. Physiologically, heart rate goes up, muscle tension increases. Increases, visual acuity actually locks in cortisol, which is a stress hormone spikes, testosterone, which is your power hormone plummets, and you, you're tapping him on the butt, telling him to get out there and go make the next play. You haven't positioned him for success. Like if you want better athletes, you got to be a better coach and you got to figure this element out. And when you do, you're going to see your athletes take strides that you've never seen before, because that's where high performance starts to really happen. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I get, I can get hot too, Pat. If you, you want, know, to, if you want to put me up with go somebody with I, somebody, I will. <laughs> you know, as we as we wrap this show up, uh, I always try to ask a question that might get a little bit of an elevated response. <laughs> and the temperature in this office just went up three <laughs> degrees. On that, I think I'm sweating. We we're going to get out of here, turn some fans on, and uh, cool off. It's been a pleasure having you, Doctor Selking. Um, I'm excited about this. I don't know. Maybe we can do this again. Uh, but for our listeners, uh, how can they find you? What, where do they go? Yeah. Thanks again for having me, uh, Pat. It's, I just, I love the opportunity. Like I said, every time we get to collaborate, we, we get, get my juices flowing and get on this. Um, and I just appreciate the the model that you've served to throughout the course of my development as a professional, what you're doing here at the university of Louisville is incredible. Um, I'm really excited to see how the athletic department here gets transformed and impacted by your vision of comprehensive integrated into and through the coach. And, um, and just really excited to watch that unfold and continue to, to be colleagues in this journey as, as we seek to make an impact in this world. And so, you know, I, like you mentioned, I do have a podcast. And so if you want some more, I, I can get jacked up my own podcast too. So if you want some more where that juice came from, um, you can, it, it's called building championship mindsets and it's on YouTube or I'm sorry, on iTunes. And then on my website too, at www.selkingperformance.com. And then uh, you can reach me directly at amber at selkingperformance.com as well. Well, I know we're going to wrap this up because I don't know two more competitive people than you and I. So I'm going to say go cards. And I'm going to say go Irish. I know this I know this show will come out afterwards, but uh, looking forward to a good game tonight. Right. Likewise. Thanks, Dr. Ivy. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. 
To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.